Look alive, sunshine. The question is not when you're gonna stop, but who is gonna stop you. The electric centaur, the democrat, the revolution will not be televised. How's it going, everyone? Welcome to another special Tuesday night edition of the Grindhouse Podcast. I am your host, Dave, and I am joined once again, two weeks back-to-back, with the mistress of wishes, my beautiful wife, Ophelia. How are you today? I'm good. Mistress of wishes? I actually messed it up. I was going to say the missus of wishes. Why am I wishes? I was just trying to think of something that rhymed with wishes, or missus. And that's the first thing that came to mind. <laughs> Clearly, I messed that all up. So that should be a perfect indicator of how well this show is going to go. <laughs> Fantastic. Now what? you're down on my level. <laughs> right, exactly. Before we move on to the very important topic that I wanted to touch upon on this episode, the witch competition. Yes. Everyone is very anxious to see who has advanced, Eve's Bayou or Rosemary's Baby. You care to... Wager a guess as to who may have come out of uh, Supreme. I think it's going to be Rosemary's Baby. You'd be accurate. That'd be correct. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 42 to 38 votes. So it was actually closer than I thought. But, uh, you know, eventually Rosemary's Baby, I think, was the prevailing favorite. And so it advances in the tournament. And for our final round of the semifinal, our final match, it's going to be Black Sunday classic classic mm-hmm. cult devil movie versus something of a dark horse uh one that advanced past the first round and that is the movie the little indie movie that could your friend and mine mr judas walko's directorial debut the incantation really versus black sunday so mm. um hey listen it's a bit like rocky versus apollo creed you know it's uh, a <laughs> It's David versus Goliath, as it will be. But you know, but hey, Dean Cain. But but Dean Cain never <laughs> doubt the power of Superman, or do I don't Dean know. Dean Cain in a David and Goliath, yeah, film. Dean slain. <laughs> so what? remember to vote. Go to the Slasher app, and you can go on their post for this competition, and you can let us know which of the two movies you prefer Black Sunday or The Incantation and then of course as always you can go over uh, it's already posted for today to our Grindhouse Podcast Instagram and go into the stories and I will post every day mostly the two films in <laughs> a poll day, mostly. and you can vote as many times as you want and you can if, if you guys believe in The Incantation if you guys I'm not advocating one way or another I'm just saying if this is a movie that you guys want to try to put in to like the semifinals, then you got to vote. Because if you don't vote, then I think everyone knows that like Black Sunday is sort of a classic. And so uh, it is the most likely uh, victor. But you never know. Things can always happen. In the, well, Sophie has entered the podcast room. Puppy. Now, Normie, we don't let Sophie tippy-tappy all over the floor. But as it is Tuesday night here in Los Angeles, the Dodgers have just won the World Series. And there's fireworks. And there are. Scared. Yes, I know. You guys may hear some blasts behind coming out of my mic and think it's another drive-by, and it might be, but it, it's certainly going to be the fireworks on display. So Sophie may be our co-host for this episode, and that's okay because this episode I want to do something of a roundtable, as mm. it were. It's something that. Um, Sophie already has a strong opinion, and we're going to get to your opinion, Sophie. But it's it's this thing that I keep hearing. You know, you you read it on the social media. You, I, I've even heard you utter it a few times, and that is that Halloween is canceled. I mean, you hear it all all the time, like Halloween's canceled this year. Halloween's canceled this year because, as we all don't need a reminder mm. for. 2020 has been the year of the pandemic, uh, the election cycle, wildfires. I mean, it has been a year filled with, you know, turmoil. And and even though people have begun going back to work, it feels like society, life, leisurely things have all been put on pause. Yeah. And so 
people have sort of said that that means that you know because we can't go hang out in large parties or or go down to the parade or the the haunted house or any you know the universal fright nights that Halloween is canceled this year. And I'm just curious is that really the case? I mean, it definitely feels a little bit that way. I mean, I guess it's kind of been hard for people to get into the spirit of anything um, at the moment. Even though we went, where did we go today? We went to Target, yeah. Ralph's, and uh, the 99 yeah. cent store, yeah. and none of them had Halloween decorations. Right. A whole week out from, uh, from Halloween, all the almost all, if not it's Christmas. all. Yeah, it's already flipped over to Christmas. So, And, you know... It's- it, fucking october i'm sorry it's not even november yet just mm. but you know we, we talk about that every year right how christmas the the war on halloween right christmas encroaches upon it and um it seems to the decorations seem to go up earlier and earlier mm-hmm. i mean to me you would think you'd account for late minute shoppers people who decide you know maybe people who were struggling to get into the sort of you know, fall time spirit. And then at the last minute decide, you know what? I will dress up. I will get a costume, right? Maybe, maybe you've been invited to some sort of virtual, uh, zoom party, but, right. but they go to the store and, and all those costumes have already mostly been pulled. Now, maybe we just happen to live in an area where there was a, a late last, last minute rush towards Halloween items, but it feels like they've just pulled them from the shelves, right? Right, right. Even in like, especially in Target. Target was the worst. Like, they were just gutted. Right. And and they had whole sections changed over. And doesn't it seem like it just makes more sense to leave those decorations until, you know, the day after Halloween? Yeah. Well, maybe they don't want to mark them down. Like, like, sure, I guess. But what are you going to do? You're going to put those things in... um, our neighbor is so loud right now. I know. Are you just going to put those things in um, storage for a whole year and like lose out on the ability for like, it's like, I'm sure some of those things are evergreen, like the costumes and whatnot, but you don't want to be rolling out the same stuff year after year anyway. Well, I did notice that last, like even from when I was here back in 2018, there was some of the same stuff this year that they had then. Right, like they're just recycling it year after year? Well, I don't know if they're just making all the same stuff or if they've just got warehouses full of the shit and they can't sell it. I suppose, but if even if that were the case, isn't it all the more reason why you would want to discount it and try to liquefy some of those yeah. Halloween things? Yeah, or yeah. they don't want to put it up for, up for 50% off. Like, the only place that we could find anything... Like, not even the 99 cent store had anything. Like no. We went to... Ralph's and yeah. they had like one rack and everything was half price. We right. got some great stuff. <laughs> right. But like but again if if but, you why why go through the expense of holding all those things in a warehouse if you could li- liquidate it and get it off your shelf. When I was growing up, the day after Halloween was the best because yeah. all the candy was like way marked down. Yeah. I think I think as well maybe it's just like oh, people are shit right now let's get them excited about something else let's bring out all the christmas shit we're not even at thanksgiving yet and they've got out the christmas shit yeah you know again when growing up it was like the day after thanksgiving is when the switch Mm. over to christmas began and now it's the week before halloween and the christmas stuff is already out like and i'm sure it's been out you know in fact i know it has i know there's been a small amount of it out prior to this Mm. it's just now taking over where the Halloween section is. Yeah. it's. Meanwhile, you've still got your fall wreath hanging off the back of your, the it's door. It, it sits up there all year. Since I was here. It, no, it sits up. I think it was up, before I could. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've had that for years. <laughs> it, it stays up all year long. It's kind of... In the, if you guys listen to this show at all, and you've heard me talk about horror movies, you probably guess what the decor of my apartment looks like. But it's pretty much like... Uh, if you can imagine an old goth, you know, witch... Living in a house this kind in Los Angeles. That's kind of basically what our apartment looks like. You are, in fact, an 80-year-old Mexican lady. That's... I'm a brujat. <laughs> but, okay, but beyond the decorations going down, because that's just something that we deal with, I think, every year. Like, does that still mean... Like, okay, the biggest issue that everyone has, right, is you can't socialize. Right. You know, um... Maybe, maybe if you're a very, very safe, close knit group of friends, or you're just your immediate family. But the the the, the days of uh, you know 
out here in in Hollywood, there's in West Hollywood, there's a massive parade that occurs on Halloween, mm-hmm. and everyone from all the surrounding areas goes to this little strip, and people kind of walk up and down in a circle and show off all their elaborate costumes. Some of which get crazy elaborate, right? Right. Um, and I think they do bands and stuff that play as well, and what have you. And so, like, it's an event, right? It's an event that has hundreds of people. Being a part of it. And that's just not something that you're going to get this year. And so I get why that has people bummed. But it, it does feel like there are other things that you could do to to get into that Halloween spirit. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Like I, It's funny. Like when we were, when we were walking to the 99 cent store today, I saw a piece of graffiti that said physical distancing, not social distancing. You can still be social with people. Totally. Like we're... We're just having a small, I guess, get-together for Halloween. It was like, what, seven of us? Eight of us? Right. Under ten. Um, and all tested. And all tested. And all been quarantining. Yep. There's people that you know are safe. Like, if you want to socialize, just like get with a group of people that you know are being safe. Like, I was walking the dog the other day, and there was this two two ladies sitting outside, and one was sitting on the stoop of her house, and one was sitting parked um, on the... You know, on the curb with her door open of her car and they're sitting there having lunch together. Oh, yeah. It was so cute. I'm like, oh, my God, it's the most adorable thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> well, and have you ever been to, um, I don't know if you've ever been to some sort of like party or something where they hand out the uh, the noise-canceling headphones that are playing directly, the like the silent parties? Yeah, silent discos, yeah. Have you been to one? No, I haven't. That we They had, I think, at a music festival I went to, they had a section that had a silent disco. It might have been in like 2005. Well, a couple years ago, I went to a, an event for Mercy for Animals, which is a vegan organization. Mm. And That's right. I remember that. Yeah. And they had a silent disco. And for like a little bit, I kind of put them on. And it's a bit weird. You know, it's yeah. it's it's, a spe- it's it's a really interesting sight to see if you don't have the headphones yeah. on. <laughs> but it does take a moment to sort of get into it. But it's But, okay, take that philosophy... And get a group of your friends together and do, like, uh, if there's not, like, already official events going on, but throw yourself hmm. a Zoom silent party. Put your headphones yeah. on. Have someone, you know, DJ the music and and dance and put a costume on and, you know, figure out a way to interact with one another in a way that is, um, you know, allows you to still celebrate Halloween and while still maintaining a safe distance. Yeah. Or just wear, like, full costumes that are, like, a full mask Full sleeves, full gloves, everything. Oh yeah, like like uh um with the with the special material, so that you don't have like a ventilator yeah. and all that. This this is all go as the guys from ET at the end in hazmat suits. We're wearing the hazmat suits, yeah. Or Marty McFly. Okay, you can only for, at this our special party. You can only dress as either <laughs> the hazmat dudes from ET. Yeah. The hazmat dudes from the Blob. Yep. The hazmat dudes from uh, Resident Evil. The hazmat dudes from Return of the Living Dead 3. Yes. And Marty McFly from Back to the Future. And Marty McFly. You remember when he like crash crashes the DeLorean and then oh, um, yeah. he's got the he's got the radiation <laughs> suit. You're and he's like, right. I am Darth Vader. <laughs> or you can come as Darth Vader. Or you can come as Darth Vader, right. Those yep. are your options. And then, and then I think as long as you never ever take your costume off, you should be fine. You should be safe, and then you can socialize. See, there's lots of creative ideas yeah. that we can try to use to keep that Hall- Halloween spirit alive. Yeah. One of the other things that we did, which actually you could do all year long, but do you remember when? I don't remember. I mean, you must have still been in Australia, but we did like um, some weird version of like Cards Against Humanity online. Yeah, I was. I was there. No, I know. That's what I'm oh. saying. Like you were in Australia at the time. Oh, and yes. So of course, of course, you were there. You wouldn't remember it, my love. <laughs> but it was like me and our friend Leah, and I think Jason, and like a few other people. Um, and and we it, had a Zoom going at the same time. And we had a Zoom going at the same time, and we're all just kind of like, you know, talking shit and having drinks and and playing a fun game. And you know, that's what parties are kind of all about, anyway. Yeah. Right. And then I think that you can still, I mean, it might not be quite the same thing, but there are ways to use the technology that's available to us to recreate that social environment. Right. That's exactly it. Now, not only that, though, there's other things you can do on Halloween. 
right? It's not strictly about parties, and it's not strictly about uh, socializing. There's a reason for the season, as it were, right? And Halloween is based off, uh, you know, the Celtic holiday of Samhain. And it's about the time when you're the the changing, the end of the season is coming, right? The end of the, uh, if you're like a the follow more of a pagan calendar, it's the end of the the sort of pagan year. Um, many traditions believe that it's the time when the veil between the living and the dead is the thinnest, and it's an opportunity for spirits to sort of venture into this world. Uh, other people, and already so along those same lines, believe it's a time to just honor those people who have passed your ancestors that yeah. have passed and and take the time to um keep them in your heart and and sort of keep them bound to our earth by remembering them and giving them um oh, here comes sophie and sophie sophie's hi sophie would you like to give remembrance as well She's just staring at me. <laughs> stare at you. She does this weird side eye thing. It's real fucking creepy. But but you go now. But go there on. are traditional ways to celebrate Halloween that that are in no way impacted by COVID nineteen, yeah. right? Yeah, that's it. Want to stay home watch horror movies? Or just stay home and watch horror movies. There's so many great movies out there that are classics. And, and by the way, by the time you start to get into our age. The idea of going to parties gets more and more of a strain and more and more of, I think, a uh, concerted effort. Whereas sometimes just ordering a pizza and if you're in Los Angeles, you could order from Lucifer's Pizza. You really, really want to be on theme. Not sponsored unless they want to sponsor us. That'd be great. Yeah. And and watch a horror movie collection. Watch watch the – you know what's a great, I think, underrated – um, Halloween movie or just a horror movie in general? What? The Alien franchise. It's not underrated at all. Well, they're always thought about as like a sci-fi, right? Because yeah. re- because really after the first one they do venture into that territory. But they're such good. I mean, yes, they're sci-fi, I guess, but they're really like horror action set yeah. in space. Yeah, that's true. And and to me, like they're fine movies. Like even the much maligned third one is still directed by David Fincher. Um, so. That might be my favorite one. It's great. I don't know why so many people don't like it. She shaves her head? Yeah, she's fucking badass. Because people are purest dickheads. (laughs) I'm sorry. Like, sometimes it's just cool to hate shit. I guess. You know what I saw online? I saw that um, it's really cool right now to hate Hocus Pocus. Is it, though? I mean... Is it cool? I I think you're pretty uncool if you hate Hocus Pocus. According to the nerds on Twitter who write film blogs... Apparently, it's no longer cool to like Hocus Pocus. You know what's not cool? Writing a film blog when you don't even work in film and don't actually know what you're talking about. Arguably, sure. But, so I've heard. But is actually, what, what you like Hocus Pocus, right? You Hocus Pocus is dope. I mean, it's a. I mean, like, just because it's not scary per se, but it was probably kind of. I don't know about scary, but it was kind of creepy when you were a kid. Creepy right? when you were a kid. It's like Rolls Roll Dolls the Witches, which that remake looks disgusting. Yeah, I. I, I, um, I don't, I know what they're going for, you know, uh, but I, um, and, and it's probably closer to the book. I can tell, I could get, I have a sense that it's probably closer to the book in, in the way things are described and whatnot, because they put Roland Dahl's name above it, mm. you know, to sort of give it that like authenticity and, and maybe the eighties version took a lot of liberties, but look, without going down the, the, path of cgi bad practical effects good it just feels i think we discussed that in the last podcast we'll probably discuss that in every single one of them really if you give me the opportunity but i just it feels um just doesn't feel like it's cutting any new ground in fact it's Mm. it feels like when you look at uh angelica houston's makeup in the original witches movie yeah and uh who is the actress Anne hathaway and hathaway who's great she's a brilliant actress but you see her and her sort of CGI Gasco smile. It's like, well, we've seen the Joker. We've seen it. Yeah, it's like it feels not that original or fun or mm. even that compelling. So it feels like a major step backwards. So I don't know if those are the movies that are going to get you excited come Halloween. But hey, you can't go wrong with like the Friday the 13th series. You know what I saw? I actually saw, um, what's that guy on YouTube that does like 10 things you didn't know about? Minty. Oh, yes. Minty. Minty's oh, comedic. 
something <laughs> from my homeland, Australia. Um, he did uh, one of the 10 things you didn't know um, movies that he does, or f- I guess videos that he does on YouTube about the leprechaun. Oh, yes. That movie is underrated. If y'all haven't seen that, that's sick. The, they got a little silly when like the leprechaun was like in the hood. Oh, that's and then, ridiculous. And then he yeah, was in but... space. Um, that's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> but <laughs> I think that movie at least allowed itself to be that silly, you know? It didn't take itself seriously. You know what You know what franchise really went down the tube? After like the fourth movie? <laughs> Halloween. <laughs> Halloween. <laughs> Friday the 13th. No, wait. Fr- all the Friday the 13th. Nightmare 13s. on Elm Street. Oh, wait, wait. Look, first off, all the, all the Nightmare on Elm Streets are awesome. Uh, most of the Friday the 13th are awesome up until what was the one after Jason goes after Jason took Manhattan was there another one did Jason, he go to space Jason X yeah. yeah that's the jumping of the shark of every great horror franchise right? go to like, space. you've run out of ideas you've got to send him into space <laughs> whereas the aliens was already at space alien just aliens say that. there you go like minds um wow just, just gonna crack one open. I'm drinking. You can get drunk. That's another thing you can do for Halloween. Yeah. Just pop open a, a six packs of Lone Star or some Tito's vodka or whatever the hell you're drinking. That's gonna keep you up all night. Um, it's a Gretzko Liquid Rage. Yeah. You drink some Liquid Rage. <laughs> that's forty grams of sugar. Oh, this is gonna go really well. <laughs> Woo. <laughs> you drink some of your Agatu liquid rage. Agatu liquid and then, rage. And then you you put on some Pantera, maybe the Great Southern Thread Kill. Trend Kill. Trend Kill. Thread Kill. Whatever. Just murdering everyone's clothes. Just slaying. <laughs> maybe Phil was really just like into fashion. He was like trying to subtly let you know how much he slayed. No. That's so, a missed opportunity for a brand there, by the way, Phil Anselmo. He, what's he doing? What's he doing? He does that Phil Anselmo and the Illegals. He, he does a bunch of touring, like, of, you know, he does Pantera albums. Do you remember when he had that horror festival? No. Yeah, so he, in Austin, I think it's in Austin. He, I can't remember the name of it now, but he he used to uh, host the sort of, like, horror, metal, metal, like, I don't know, convention or slash festival thing. And... It used to be. It used to sound like it was really cool. I'd never gone to it. House of Hardcore or Housecore Horror Film Festival. Boom! There it is. Horror and Metal Film Festival. I mean, not this year, probably because of COVID. But well, it looks like this website was last updated in 2013. Okay, so he may not have been doing it for a while, but he used to do it. And another cool thing that one could have done but in in lieu of that just go put on some Pantera and drink some liquid rage, rage all night yeah I mean if that doesn't get you in the holiday spirit I don't know what does probably nothing but what else what are some other ideas for people to figure out a way to celebrate their own way of, of getting into the, the Halloween spirit kick it old school man go TP someone's house practical jokes practical jokes those are awesome they, you yeah. don't see them anymore. when's the last time you saw someone's tree TP'd you can't do that now because I'm like oh I fucking tp but fucking cares fucking toilet paper man like yeah grow a dick shut up <laughs> <laughs> well look I'm not advocating for illegal activities but we're just saying there there are other ways to have a good time. Halloween's not all treats, man. Yeah, that's the tricks. It's right in it's right in the log line. Yeah. Don't right. hurt, like as long as you're not hurting anybody or like causing like legitimate property damage, like cares. Exactly, exactly. Have fun. I mean it's it's a night to be mischievous anyway. Yes. And in in keeping with being mischievous and doing the devil's work, go have yourself a seance. Go, yeah. go into a field, summon some ghosts, bring back the evil spirits into the realm so that they can enslave the earth. I mean, there's... Wow. Hey, if you want to get into the holiday spirit, you want to get into Halloween, you got to go deep. And there's not much deeper than six feet under and raising the dead. Wow. The dead can't get COVID. So hang Touché. out with some zombies and you're good. You're guaranteed to be safe. That's true. And there's no problems that are going to come up. Where's the lie? I See, mean, I can't say there's going to be no problems. 
Well, I mean, there's always necrophilia, I suppose. I mean, no. But, you know, put one on, you're good to go. Just some, you know, good old-fashioned corpse bothering. I mean, <laughs> they need love, too. No, as they, long they, as it's consensual. No, no, no. I mean, yeah, it's no. I think you're thinking, you're thinking too macro. You, you need to really think inside the box here. <laughs> Think globally, act locally. <laughs> now, the other thing that I I thought of that that would be kind of cool to do for Halloween, uh, I saw on Twitter where someone like tagged, you know, they were tagging people, right? And they were coming up like with six directors that, whatever, just six directors for whatever reason, for whatever reason, right? And I thought that's another cool thing to kind of get you in the holiday spirit or the Halloween spirit, which is my holiday, so I'll keep calling it that. And that is. Sort of get with your friends and like just get to like have these sort of deep thoughts. I know I know maybe thinking of directors might not seem like deep thoughts, but like fun conversation can be had virtually or over distance that might you know inspire some debate and some deeper conversation. So like we watched, for example, Hitchcock last night. It was so good, which was an amazing Such movie, a good right? Movie. The master of suspense mm-hmm. and. Alfred Hitchcock would be in my list of horror well, directors in general, but horror directors certainly, right? right? And when you think of him, it, you know, the almost the entire genre, If it, it doesn't start with him, but it certainly becomes as popular as it is through him and his influence. Like For horror, like what is one of your favorite directors? And I know you've told me, I'm going to give you the out ahead of time, that you're not necessarily, you know, remember director's names. But if it's a movie, we can always look up and see who that director is also. I mean, all of mine are going to be really predictable. That's okay. Sorry. I picked Alfred Hitchcock out the gate. <laughs> That's like saying, like, what's your favorite rock band? And I just said the Beatles. What? John Carpenter. John Carpenter's on mine as well. He's oh, a huge go. influence. <laughs> I remember I used to do these short films, um, just me. Like, I'd write them, I'd shoot them, I'd sometimes have to act in them, and I would certainly edit them. And I remember I was so influenced. I mean, look, the, the name of this podcast is the Grindhouse Podcast. I was so influenced by Tarantino and mm-hmm. um, Robert Rodriguez's Grindhouse movie, and in particular, Robert Rodriguez's Planet Terror, which was so influenced by John Carpenter. Oh, definitely. Elements of the fog, elements of Halloween, elements of certainty of uh, Assault on Precinct 13. I mean, that, to me, there was something about what John Carpenter was able to do that made his horror movies so memorable and cool. I don't know if it was like just simple shot selection or if it was, um, you know, like the cool synth sounds behind them. Yeah, I don't know. But but like it, when you think of '80s movies, even if you think of uh, you know, it doesn't matter what popular franchise, like it feels like John Carpenter's influences all over. Definitely. That. Like there would not have been that the the golden age of slasher without John Carpenter. Right. So 100, percent he should go on it. And in keeping with that, I'm going to actually throw in something of a curveball that you maybe mm. don't expect. Uh, this person has not done much horror. In fact, you might even argue he's only done one horror movie. I but this is going to be the same person I was going to pick. Well, Go. that horror movie is so good that it deserves, that he deserves his name mm. in place with the other greats like the John Carpenters and the Alfred Hitchcocks. And that would be the director and creator of one of the most disturbing, original and classic horror movies out there. Mm. Kevin Smith. Oh, God! The ah! director of Tusk. That, ah! that movie is so great. <laughs> it's so weird. And it's so... I mean, uh. when was the last time you watched a horror movie and were that surprised and perplexed throughout the entire thing? Not since Alfred Hitchcock's <laughs> seminal Psycho. You can't Psycho to Tusk? You can. And I'll tell you why you can. Oh, dis- my God. Because just like in Psycho, Justin Long, in fact, you if you look at if you look at Tusk, it's basically a reimagining of Psycho. Oh, my God. No. Justin Long is the Janet Lee character. She's fleeing in a, in a sense. He's fleeing. He's out of the country. 
he comes across a, a, a creepy dude who offers him housing, right? They talk about stories. Midway through the movie, Justin Long is beginning his process of being turned into a walrus. Just like in Psycho. His girlfriend <laughs> and friend, which is a role, which is a gender role reversal, right, in a sense, they come looking for him. And they, you know, then it, the bad guy dies and or in psycho ends up in the psych ward. But, but it's almost exactly the same thing. Tusk, psycho, they're like, they belong on the same shelf together. No, they don't. No. Think, think about the classic endings of both movies. I don't want in to. In psycho, you see the little fly that's floating around Anthony Perkins' head where he says, I wouldn't even hurt a fly. It's iconic, right? What about the final scene of Tusk? That sad push down on Walrus Justin Long, where he sheds the the single tear, showing that he does have humanity, still, <laughs> even if it's just in a small, small way. Well, I I'm just saying I don't think that enough energy has been put on this. So for my six directors of horror, my six 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 directors of horror, Alfred Hitchcock, Kevin Smith. What's your next one? I'm going to throw one out there. See, I thought you were going to say Jordan Peele. Oh, that's a good one. Because um, he hasn't done a lot of... Done two. Done two. He's got, can... he's got Candyman coming out. Well, he well, didn't he direct didn't that. Direct, he it. He produced it. But he, he Nia DaCosta is the director of Candyman. But Jordan Peele did direct Get Out and Us. and he oh, Us is so good. Yeah, and he produced the Twilight Zone sort of a revival on CBS yes, All that's Access. that's right. Yep. So he's definitely at... He, uh, yeah, absolutely. And he's more... Uh, he's certainly more contemporary, but that doesn't make him any less mm. classic. I think he's already... I mean, Get Out, I think, is pretty universally heralded as an amazing film. And I, I feel like Us... Well, I certainly had my own issues with it. I feel like it's kind of underrated in a, in a way. It's very underrated. And there were a lot of people that didn't like it. It feels like it's being treated a little bit like a sophomore slump, I think. Mm. And I don't know if it was because it was too high concept or it was... For me, I will say it was. It did feel a little bit... Um, a little bit like throw the kitchen sink of ideas at something that right. didn't always feel like it blended well. Like I both, I both simultaneously appreciate and respect, and also bump up against the fact that the first third of the movie feels like it's a um, home in, home invasion movie, right? And then the second half of the movie feels like it's a zombie film, and then and then the fourth, uh, the third part of the movie feels like it's this weird sci-fi Twilight yeah. Zone-esque thing. And I don't know how smoothly it rolls, but I do kind of appreciate the fact that the movie starts so small and then it grows in it's concept. Like snowballs. And exactly. And, it, and by the end, you're like mind blown by this thing. And you're trying to, you know, you're like those those gifts that you see of like the math <laughs> the equations. <numbers>. Yeah. <laughs> you're trying to figure out how this all ties together. And I do appreciate that though. I, I just feel like, I could certainly see why people would bump up against it because yeah. I kind of did too and it's only in subsequent viewings and thinking about it that I feel like, oh, I, I think it's kind of rad. But I didn't initially feel that way. Yeah. I think that's a problem too with, you know, we're living in an age where, you know, it's Marvel and DC and just action films and comic book movies and all that sort of stuff is I think that sometimes people really do just want to sit down and watch a movie and not have to think about it. Yeah. So when they've watched a movie, half us playing on their phone or, you know, sort of half watching and they get to the end, they're like, oh, what? What just happened? Because they haven't actually been paying attention. Right. It's not just shit blowing up, good guy versus bad guy as well. Sometimes people want to turn off when they're watching a movie and I think that's the sort of movie you can't do that with, so. Well, I agree 100%. Um... My next person I'm going to go with and go a little bit more... I'm going to go a little bit more classic. This might, this might be the most obvious next... I mean, obviously, Kevin Smith was the most obvious on my <laughs> list. But this one might be the second most obvious after Kevin Smith and maybe between that and Psycho uh, or Alfred Hitchcock. And then, 
It's brilliant. I was waiting for it. Take a shot every time Ophelia snorts. Um, and that's going to be Russ Craven. That was my next one, too. He, um, I feel like, I mean, look, it's just, it, obviously he's a master in the genre, clearly. Mm-hmm. But it's really, it, it cannot be stressed enough that he was able to revive the, and be or at least be a part of these two massive movements in horror almost, you know, one right after another. That's yeah. like how many times do you hit a, a platinum record twice in a row, you know? And he really did with the Nightmare on Elm Street series, mm-hmm. which he kicked off, which is as you know, it's it's the holy it's with the holy trinity of slasher films, right? Friday thirteenth, Halloween, and Nightmare on Elm Street. They're right. right up there. And he was also able to transition into that meta horror that we talked about of like the nineties, right? With the screen movies right. and, and kicking yep. off that, you know, he made three out of four good screen movies and really revitalized horror as a whole and made it cool again, not just like a thing for niche fans. And I can't stress enough how underrated New Nightmare is, which we just watched. Yeah. Like, now, rewatching it, there's a lot of it that doesn't hold up. Like, some of the acting is yeah. not that great. But how old is it, though? Like, Sure, it's a very old movie, but it, it you know... it. There's a there's a certain cheesiness to it that doesn't quite feel as serious as it intends to all the time. But, you know, it's certainly not as slick as uh, Scream, for right. example. And it's a little more on the nose in its meta-ness than Scream was. But you, you can see how he doesn't get to Scream until he does A New Nightmare, right? Right. In fact, we were, we were watching one of those Minty videos... And you can, I guess you guys can have an idea of what we do with our spare time. <laughs> and uh, Wes Craven had actually conceived the idea of the sort of meta Freddy's coming from the movie scripts into the real world idea yeah. back before they made um, Dream Warriors. Mm-hmm. And and that was his, when they went back to Wes Craven to make Dream, Dream Warriors, that was the way he pitched it was... You know, Freddy coming out into the into the new world, right? So it was always it feels like very shortly after the success of the first one, he's already thinking like this has hit its pinnacle. It's time to move into a new direction, exactly. and uh, you know he does that masterfully in the Scream series, which you know I, I think kicked off an entire new generation of fans right. to the genre that are still around. Yep, and I feel like the Halloween series could have been like that too but they were so desperate to pump them out so fast that if they just waited in between films they probably could have had more of a successful run of movies well the, the yeah you should there's a documentary somewhere we'll have to find it that's all about this the halloween series mm. and when you start to learn about the history of the franchise and how it passed hands and like yes. some of the weird producers that came in they take some really weird turns right um, the first the the first Halloween movie is fantastic. The second Halloween movie is good. The third Halloween movie is fantastic in its own right. Mm-hmm. It just yep. gets dogged on because Michael Myers is not there. The fourth movie falls kind of neatly into it. It's almost a little bit of a caricature of itself, right? But it's so enjoyable, right? It insists upon itself. Yeah, it just it just like. Like, the first Halloween movie starts, really kicks off this genre in a meaningful way, but it feels kind of still art house, I guess, right. in a bit. Whereas, like, when you think of the Friday the 13th movie, once you get past, like, two, it, you know, it's that, it's it's hitting all the same um, uh, genre points, right? All the same tropes. And I feel like that's, like, Halloween 4, but it's so entertaining, and, um, you know, it, it introduces, like, fresh blood into the franchise and I think that carries over to some degree to five but I think it's six when they introduce the druids that it gets really yeah it starts to get a bit mm-hmm. poor Paul Rudd they drug him into that do you remember him being in that was he in that he's, he's a grown up Tommy from the first oh, movie yeah. yeah yeah he's in the one with the weird druid stuff huh well there you go didn't know that one I didn't I hadn't put those two together so so there you go alright who else is on your list um, the poor guy whose name I always butcher. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This is why we have Al Gore's internet. Gle- <laughs> Every time. I can't wrap my tongue around it. Guillermo del Toro. Guillermo. 
Guillermo. <laughs> Guillermo del Toro. Yes. You, you, he's on your list. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. I loved Pan's Labyrinth. It's amazing. It's a, it beautiful. It's a great movie. It's so good. It's underrated. So underrated. Plus, he's already tapping into that with like the Hellboy series. I mean, yep. it's not horror, no, but it's like no. scary and fantasy and things of that yeah, nature. Yeah, it's more. I mean, that's like a action fantasy type stuff. What but... was the movie he made after Pan's Labyrinth? What am I not remembering? Oh, he made The Shape of Water. I never saw that one. Oh, it's good. I don't know if you'll like it though, because it's 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 a it's a romantic drama, but yes. uh, obviously it has horror elements in it yeah. and uh i don't know it, 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 if you're in if you're in the mood for um for like a a a movie that is explores relationships and opposites and things of that nature and you're kind of in that headspace then you're good to go and if it's if it's uh, uh if you're looking for more of a horror monster flick it's it's probably not the right one for you have you did you ever see mama Mama, no. Did he, did he direct that? Or did he just produce that? I don't know. He might have just produced it. I don't remember. That was a good movie too. Did he do Blade One as well, or just Blade Two? I think it was Blade Trinity, wasn't it? I'm not sure. Or no, that was Goyer. Yeah, it might be two. Might be two. But I'm gonna go with my next one with another sort of classic person uh, for for totally different reasons, and that's and that's. Toby Hooper. I mean, the guy obviously directed the famous movie, the most famous horror movie centered around Texas in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Mm -hmm. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre as a movie may have made the state of Texas more popular than even the Alamo did. You know, this is this really I mean, this is like right up there with like Debbie does Dallas in terms of bringing attention to the Lone Star State. (laughs) Right. If I say Debbie does Dallas. No matter if you watch adult material or not, no matter what year you were born in, you know the reference. Right, exactly. And the same thing can be said about Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. Immediately, it draws into your head chainsaws, leather face, creepy family, bone chairs. It's, you know, it, 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 it elevated, if not popularized, rural redneck horror in the same way that, like, you know, Russ Craven kicked yeah. off Metter Horror and Alfred Hitchcock kicked off the slasher genre and things of that nature. Yep. I still remember, like, remember the start of Texas Chainsaw where they had the, uh, it's like a news report, and they're like, oh, they're doing, no, sorry, they're doing like a crime scene video. Right, yeah. And it's, the amount of people that were like, yeah, man, that's real. Like, there's, there's people that think that, that, that it's real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're like, oh, did that really happen? Do you when think I that's was, real look, footage? When I grew up, I thought I didn't think the movie was I didn't think there was real footage obviously but it was a true story but I thought it was based on a true story and and that it happened out in Round Rock which is right outside of Austin right it's actually where uh, well Ashton doesn't live there now but it's where hmm. my, some of my family's lived before but it's based like loosely on Ed Gein isn't it it takes it takes elements from Ed Gein and kind of then writes its own story hmm. because um, in the same way that you realize that Psycho is <laughs> Basically based on Ed Gein, but no. Alfred Hitchcock takes all the. You were going to say that Psycho influenced Tusk. It did influence Tusk. Psycho did influence Tusk clearly, but but um, in this in, in like what Psycho did was it took all the psychologically strange aspects of Ed Gein and it made it a, a sophisticated, yeah, right. tawdry, but not crass horror film right whereas Texas Chainsaw Massacre it's like have you seen Twins <laughs> I'm interested to see where this is going but yes Psycho is like Arnold oh he has all the fine genetics you know and then the rest of the gunk went to Danny DeVito and I say that absolutely praising it because that's what gives it, some, it that's what makes it so raw it is literally like when you ever hear someone says like oh I'm going to tell my story. The warts and all, right? Yeah. This is the warts part. <laughs> it's the, it's the, it's this deeply disturbing, frightening. I mean, I'm sure Psycho was shocking. Yeah. But it doesn't hold up as frightening. I mean, not I mean, now. it certainly no. probably made people a little uncomfortable. You may, people may have started locking the door when they went to the shower, but overall, like you didn't you didn't avoid a, a full region of land, 
right? Yeah. It's like you might feel you might go watch like Jaws. Well, maybe even less Jaws, but like let's you go watch Psycho, and you feel a little uncomfortable. Feel like someone might be love watching you, and but but you kind of know that it's a irrational fear, right? Right. Whereas there are people who still to this day, the moment they drive out into some sort of rural area, get very frightened. This idea, and it because it really fed on this fear mm. that that metropolitan people had against people who live in rural areas. You know, the way they talk, the way they think, politics, religion, uh, mindsets, whatever. And, you know, who knows how many people are, have those, you know, traits heaped upon them from stereotypes. Right. But there's a genuine fear from the metropolitan people of people who live in rural areas. And, and that has stuck with a lot of people. It's not like, oh, I'm kind of nervous in the shower, but I know that's just sort of a silly, irrational thing that I'll get over. This has really fed in and maintained yeah. part of the human psyche and, and our anxieties. Yeah, for sure. It's so gory. It's not even that gory, it just but it feels like it's gory. And you actually don't see much. And and that's that, that's really always been the true testament of a great horror film. Like if you can if you you not that you have to, but if you can show nothing and still have the same effect, then it's really, you know, titillating and, and capturing. So titillating. Well, we're getting close to the end here. Do you have another director you'd like to throw in? One more. Okay. One more. Let's bring it home. James Wan. Oak, a very interesting choice. Yep. Okay, tell me why. Don't hang on the nun. I'm not going to hang on the nun. I hate the nun so much. It's just disappointing. Um, I loved Insidious. Okay. I thought that was shot well. Even, like... um, because he did The Conjuring as well, right? So, I think so, yeah. Like, even that, while that's not my style of film, I thought it was shot amazingly. Yeah, the, I will say those films, are, I, I have not seen um, The Conjuring. I I jumped on with Annabelle, Origins maybe. Right. And it was, I, I actually enjoyed it for what it was, but it was way too heavy on the jump scares. I think in general... That's sort of a drawback of that series. I know it's also kind of what makes it work. Yeah. But I, I just it gets exhausting. It's like it's like watching a great action film where it's like like I'll give you a perfect example of that, like Man of Steel, right? Right. You watch it in a Man of Steel, and it's like punch, 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 fly, 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 crash through a building, <laughs> you know, snap the neck, no. But but like it's even though it should be this impressive cinematic presentation, it feels so repetitive and boring. I actually fell asleep during that scene in the movie theater. That's how repetitive it was. And that to me is also kind of what jump scares become. If you, if you build an entire movie around that, instead of using it as one of many tools in the kitchen, so to speak. Yeah. Like I, I understand that. Like I thought insidious was really good. Have you, have you, you've seen that? I don't remember if I've seen that one. No, I don't think I have. We're going to watch that after this. Just so you know. It's great. It's a fantastic film. And Saw, like for the time, for the time, Saw was fantastic. That movie had like a $1.9 million budget. It made $110 million at the box office. Yeah, I I don't really get it. Like for like nothing had been done like that. And certainly they tried to make things Seven since had. that. It's Seven. Like, yeah, it's like they look, they watch the, I don't know. I know... Lots of people. My friend Justin, he's been on the show before. He loves the Saw series. And he would be right. And I know that people love him <laughs> and all that. But to me, I remember seeing the first Saw in theaters. And I remember walking out thinking, this is like a poor man's David Fincher's Seven. Like without all the okay. stellar acting and intrigue, it felt like they watched Seven and then turned up the speed, the, the the contrast, the coloring contrast, and the sped up the shaky cam and extreme close-ups, and removed all the sort of soul that makes Seven such a great film. I don't know if it constitutes as horror. It's more of a detective movie, but it's got horror elements. But I just I saw that and I just felt like Saw was trying to capitalize on the sedacious aspect of Seven without any of the real like you know heart. 
Yeah, no, I get that. I just, I just thought because like he he wrote some of that as well, didn't he? He he co wrote as well, so like, I thought that was pretty cool. And some of the stuff was pretty inventive and gory. Like I love that shit. Well, yeah, <laughs> I understand. Like I said, a lot of people do. A yeah. lot of people do. And apparently, the uh, the storyline gets really complex and uh, lots of twists and turns and such of that nature. So I can I could see why that could be compelling, even if mm-hmm. the first movie was kind of drab to me. But this is the part in the show where I normally kick it to you and then you read audience questions. Yes. But I wanted to do something a little bit different this week. Oh, okay. We're springing it on me, all right. So I'm going to do the intro live again like we did last time. (laughs) But instead of questions from the audience, I'm going to ask you a question and then you can ask me a question. And we don't know what that's going to be yet. It just has to be Halloween related. Okay. Or spooky season related. Okay. Okay. Okay, here's the live intro. <laughs> Questions from the crypts. I think it's way better if you just do it acapella each time. Okay, we're doing it live. Alright, so here's my Halloween question to you. Okay. What is the your most favorite costume you've put together for Halloween and why? Wow. So, <laughs> I, for most of my life, have lived in Australia. Right. We don't really do Halloween. Okay. The only Halloween costume that I can really think of is that once I went as a schoolgirl. Okay. <laughs> as all women have done at some sure. point sexy carrot whatever whatever um and <laughs> once when i was six i went as morticia i mean that's pretty amazing <laughs> i like that one very good and that's really it we don't we don't really do halloween so what do you what did so you were six and you dress up as a morticia yeah, something like that what did you do what did you do you guys do we trick tried or- to go trick-or-treating but no one else, see it's not big in australia they don't do trick-or-treat especially not in like brisbane or queensland um, well you guys did ban uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Dream Warriors for like three years. Yeah. So clearly you don't know how to party. Yeah, we had to ban fireworks because people were setting them off in their hands and exploding themselves. It's stupid. Wow. Um, but and the only reason I remember that Halloween because there was a rich family that lived up the road and there was like 10 of us that went up there and they gave us like 20 bucks each. That's amazing. It was dope. Was Especially like, for, yeah. for back then, $20 yeah. for a six-year-old. It was awesome. That was a long time ago. <laughs> it's like the best year ever. I mean, it sounds fun. Now, what did your costume, like what was your Mort- Morticia costume? Did you have like the cutout sort of long black dress? My, m- my mom made it for me like that day. I'm sure of it. And she had a long black wig like from a mannequin that she had from work and just happened to have that in the house. So it was just like, oh, I've got some like black stretchy material. I'll just make you a tube dress. <laughs> you're Morticia. Yay. I mean, you already have the long straight black hair anyway, so you're <laughs> yeah. halfway there. That's true. I've got to, I'll have to find that photo somewhere. I even had like a flower with the top cut off. It's Amazing. great. Amazing. <laughs> Love it. Awesome. Well, okay. So what's your Halloween question to me? What's your worst Halloween costume and why? Ooh, okay. Let's think about that. <laughs> what? So what's the criteria for worst, right? Because uh, are we talking like costume that just ended up sucking? Or are we talking about like a uh, costume that was had a bad experience attached to it for some other reason? Just a bad costume. Like, you know how like Ralph in The Simpsons like went as Idaho? He got dressed up as Idaho and it's like clearly no one helped him with his costume. He's just like got mattresses taped to himself. Like how Jenna Marbles wears a toothbrush to Halloween. That's a great costume. <laughs> it's fucking awesome. <laughs> but some people might think it's dumb. So why the fuck do you want to go as a toothbrush? Did you ever go as a toothbrush for Halloween? Uh, no, I never went out as, as a toothbrush. I, it's it's hard for me to remember. Like, I know a couple of costumes, right? Like, I went as the Flash one year, and I wore that costume all the time. And it was around <laughs> the time that the Flash TV show came out. So I'd put my costume on before the show would come on, and then I would watch it in the Flash costume, and then on the commercial breaks, I would run really fast, and my way of running really fast was, like, by stomping my legs, like, so I'd make, like, a lot of noise, and I'd, like, run from one side of the living room to the other side of the living room, and then back, and my mom would be like, oh, my God, you're so fast. So there was that. Um, 
Uh, I, I went. Uh, you can. You're gonna find a, a, a common um, superhero sort of uh, uh, motif here. But I went as Thor. I got a red. We had a red towel, you know, for the bathroom, <laughs> and I clipped it with a paper clip uh, around my or a clothespin rather around my neck. And then my mom made me his hammer by getting those green carts that strawberries used to come in. Oh. And she she taped them together. And she cut a hole in the middle and she put foil over it and then a, a paper towel roll and that was the handle and that was my Thor Before hammer. I thought that was like the best shit ever. I had I used that thing until it wore to pieces. Um, <laughs> but there were some bad ones in there too because one year I went as a ninja and uh, I had accidentally tied the top knot. You remember those those old costumes that are basically onesies with the big gaping yeah. hole in the back and they just sort of tie at the neck? Mm-hmm. So I did that but I tied it like like I you know when you tie it through and it gets like knotted. Yep. And I had to go to the bathroom. as was real bad. And I couldn't get my ninja costume off. So then I had to go back to class. And I had to ask the teacher. To, and then she's fussing with it while I got to go to the bathroom really badly. So that was... And then and then it didn't even dawn on me as a child that... like I, mean, I, must, I think it was like two or three, right? It didn't even dawn on me that like you would wear anything underneath your costume. So it's just like my little like undie, underoos, you know? And it was... Uh, it's kind of embarrassing, but I don't know if that's the worst one. I have to sort of think back at like costumes that just like one year I went to school dressed as the wrestler Sting. <laughs> so I had like, so I had like, a, I like probably like a, a a silk robe or something, and then like just wore all black, and then I did wow. I did the little face paint, but it was real bad looking. It was if you just imagine like if I dipped my big finger into like you know face paint and like put it on that way oh didn't i see a photo of you somewhere you had kiss makeup on um, or something like that i i had a yeah i have like an 80s rocker one where i had like a giant like like a kinked out wig and then like like acid wash jeans did you have kiss makeup on or something similar to no kiss makeup? i mean I, I mean i probably had some sort of like some sort of makeup you know i don't remember like you know 80s like a poison makeup Maybe. you know vince neil-esque um but I actually, I think I've thought of both my, uh, I I feel like I have to tell you both my, probably my best costume to get to my worst costume. Okay. Okay. So my best costume was one year when I was young and thin and beautiful. I dressed as Dr. Frankenfurter and <laughs> I've got big feet and finding a size 11 and a half in women's shoes uh, 11 and a half men in women's shoes which is like a 13 and yeah. a half or something like that it was near impossible but I finally found them these open toed 4 inch heels platform oh heels God. and I could only really fit them because they were open toe right so, so you got wide ass hobbit feet yeah like. it was tough so I found the heels I got <laughs> my friends got me some stockings I wore little boy shorts you know did the corset and all that let me tell you something I was quite popular with the ladies that night <laughs> I got several women who catcalled me. I got several women. My friend I went to, out with it was my friend Erin, and she was uh, egging women to spank me. It was, it was amazing. And then I fell off the curb and skinned my knee. But that didn't root damper the night. It was <laughs> even that's a killer ending, you know. Like I stuck the finish on that I'm proud night. Proud of you. But that leads me to the next mix. Uh, I think it was actually the year before. I'm going to go in, going in backwards chronological order, like memento. Um, the year before, I had gone as the Joker, mm. like everyone does at some point. Of course. The uh, Heath Ledger Joker. And um, I may have had a little bit too much of the old Joker the juice. Yeah, I had a little bit too much of the bubble. And <laughs> I just remember, I mean... The night was probably awesome leading up to that moment, to be honest. But I just remember, like, desperately hanging my head. It's ironic because it was kind of like the scene where the Joker hangs his head like a dog out of the cop car. Mm. Except I was hanging my head out of the car and vomiting all off the side of the car because I was sick. And I remember it being a very foul night. And I remember the next morning I came out to my car with remnants not only of my uh, spewing, but also of my Joker paint, which I'd rubbed off because I was just leaning my head out and just like rubbing, flapping in the wind against the outside of the car door. 
Wow. So I think that might be my worst. I don't know that you could get worse than that. That just reminded me I've got a can of Four loco in the fridge. Ooh, this is going to end even worse. <laughs> but on that note, thank you everyone for joining us as we pondered whether or not Halloween is canceled or not. I vote no. I think Halloween is alive and well. Let's put that to a vote. All in favor that Halloween is canceled, say aye. And all in favor who say that Halloween is not canceled, say aye. Hi. Listen, it's unanimous. Halloween isn't canceled. Just use your creativity and figure out a cool way to make Halloween special this year. Or watch some of these amazing directors that we've talked about. Relive some of your old best Halloween memories. Give it a reason to be exciting as much this year as it is any year. I promise you, you can. And until next time, this is Dave and Ophelia on the Grindhouse Podcast. Adios. You're listening to the Grindhouse Podcast on the Never Kill a Seabird Network. Please follow us on Instagram at Grindhouse Podcast and listen to us every Monday on iTunes, SoundCloud, and now on Spotify. 